Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Well, um, I have to take care of one thing really quick. Um, Kyla turned 18 this week, and yeah, right, my daughter, Kyla. And she noted that I did not say anything on social media about that. Um, I think it was probably, honestly, one of those, like, in the back of your mind things that you're like, I'm just not ready for my daughter to be 18, so I'm not going to acknowledge it. Um, But, you know, as a pastor, I do have a little bit of a platform. So this is my official, you are now 18. Happy birthday. Congratulations to Kyla. That is just weird. Can I just tell you, just weird, weird. Sorry. And you'll find out just how weird it is here in a moment. All right. Uh, Just, I've been in the habit of kind of giving you the the quick version of the sermon just because I kind of like doing it. And uh, it's kind of fun to give you that in about 30 seconds or less. So um, if you you want to tune out after this, this is is what the sermon is that uh, we're talking about the Ten Commandments. We're on the first commandment, which says, thou shalt have no other gods besides me. And I'm going to suggest to you today that the first commandment asks for our exclusive love and loyalty so that we are in a relationship with the only God who won't let us down and who will save us. So that's where we're going today with the sermon. And I say that because you may need to know that we're going to actually get there here in a second. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Um, We want to love you better. I think that if we really ponder it, we'll realize that there are a lot of other gods in our lives, sometimes unintentionally, and sometimes we very intentionally let them into our lives. And so today, Lord, as we explore this first commandment, may we be reminded that you're the only God that saves. We pray in your name. Amen. All right, so I thought I'd do something fun today. Anybody like looking at wedding pictures? Yeah, me too. So what we did is I asked Tammy if she would reach out to our board members and the people who are up front in our worship team today, and if they would just uh, see if we could, how many wedding pictures we could get. And you would not believe. I thought it was going to be like a hard thing. I thought we'd be lucky if we got three or four pictures. You'll see here in a second. Here we go. All right. So first up, anybody uh, name that couple? Ken Bradley. Look at that. Ken Bradley, you here? You here? And Ruth, Ken and Ruth, yeah, yeah, that's good at this point. There are two people in that picture, aren't there? There, there we go. Ken and Ruth Bradley. Okay, good job, good job. Who's that cradle robber? <laughs> I can give him a hard time. Jeff and Tammy. Jeff and Tammy Sincomani, right? Yeah? Okay. Uh, how about this one right here? This one is important to me. This has been our executive assistant, Angela, and her husband, Wagner. Um, and uh, you might recognize this one. Yeah? You guys recognize that? Who is it? Paul and Karen. Yeah, Paul and Karen. Uh, Karen works in our office. She's uh, our facilities manager and uh, bookkeeper. She's fabulous. If you don't know her, you should get to know her. She's amazing, and Paul, equally amazing. Hey, 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 look at this one. Yeah, anybody recognize them? Lee and Numa? Uh, you might not always see Numa, but she's up on the front row here, often directing what's happening in our worship services. 
Um, and then how about this one right here? Yeah, this, this one was like, yeah, try to guess. Try to guess. Yeah, uh, but uh, this is our very own board chair of the Whole Life Church. This would be um, uh, Spencer and Rena Freeman. So Rena is... Uh, we need a picture where we can actually see your face, Rena. So, like, so you know what? I should just make you two stand up. So, you, so no, anyway, they're right back in the back. There we go. Okay, there we are. Yeah, there we are. Okay, awesome. Like, we will never help you out again. All right. So, here we go. Anybody recognize this one? Some people, it's just not right. They never change, right? They just always look eternally young. And this is this would be our very own Richard and Darlene uh, Hickam. And uh, how about this couple right here? Yangamas. <laughs> Rick and yeah, Carla. yeah, yeah. Somebody said Rick and Carla. Carla's our, uh, our young adult uh, pastor. Um, how about this one? Marino. Anybody recognize? Yell it out. Yeah, boy. Somebody, I should have given a prize to whoever guessed the most right. Uh, too bad. Uh, Tony and Karen. Yeah, Marino. Very good. This is extra credit. This, is, uh, this one is, uh, I don't know if I would have gotten this one. Anybody recognize this one? <laughs> no, this is uh, this is Gordon and Tweet. Gordon plays our drums. Yeah, yeah, awesome, right? All right, how about here? Somebody recognizes their parents. Yeah, that's right, Hazy and Lachelle Oliveira. And uh, anybody recognize this couple? A little more hair on uh, Stanley right there, right? Stanley and Ellie Pominowski, right? And then uh, this is a great one. Stanton, Stanton and uh, Monica Reed. Stanton, yeah, he, Stanton often gets up front and, uh, and leads out here. You'll never guess this one. All right. This was back when I was about 12 years old. Um, got married very young. I was about, uh, I was actually 23 in that picture, believe it or not. Um, so I know what you think when you look at all these pictures. What do you think? What selfish people, right? That's what I was thinking. What selfish people? I mean, have you ever been to a wedding? And you know what they say, forsaking all others? Come on. How selfish is that? Forsaking all others? Really? So what you just got done is seeing a, a bunch of selfish people who are, who are roping other people into a committed, one-only kind of relationship. Am I right? Selfish people. Well, you know what? The funny thing is, that's kind of what I hear back sometimes when I, when I hear about Exodus 20, verse 3. You must have no other gods but me. Now, I'll be honest. Most times in Christian circles, we're too mm, afraid of lightning and thunder to, to say that out loud. But some of my friends who are a little bit more on the agnostic side of life or atheist side of life will look at this commandment and they'll say, really? It sounds like, I mean, does God really have to say that? You shall have no other God but me. Isn't that kind of exclusive kind of language? I mean, isn't, is this really that important? And so what I want to get into today is I want to take a look at why God would say that. And I think it will help us to think about the marriage relationship as we think about that. Are people being selfish when they, when they ask each other to enter into a committed, forsaking all others relationship? Or is there a good reason behind that? Is there a good reason behind why God says, you shall have no other gods besides me? 
So let's go ahead and talk about what a God is. What is a God? Anybody want to tell me what a God is? Something you worship. Very good. Yeah. So that's what Merriam-Webster says. It says a spirit or being that has great power, strength, knowledge, et cetera, that can affect nature and the lives of people. That's the way that the dictionary describes it. But my definition is probably a little closer to what you guys said, and I, I kind of narrowed it down. This is my definition. Anything that you give power to rule your life. Anything you give power to rule your life. Take a moment and be honest with yourself. Is there anything that you give power to rule your life? You can tell that it has power to rule your life in a couple different ways. If you've given something power to rule your life, if it comes up missing, you feel helpless. You feel like you can't cope if that thing is removed from your life. Can I just be really honest with you and tell you how embarrassing this is, but a while back, I started off on a trip and I got a couple miles down the road and my phone died. And it was probably about an hour into my trip. Can I tell you that I started feeling jittery? I did. I, start, I mean, literally, I started, I started feeling really anxious. What if somebody's trying to call me and can't get through? What, if I, what about finding my way because my map is on there? What about, and I started, I mean, I really started, I literally, I don't want to say I had a panic attack, but maybe a little one? Uh, I, I mean, I got to tell you, I went and found the closest store uh, that catered to that particular brand of phone that I was working with. I'm not giving them any freebies here because I know I get a lot of people watching and, you know, they can pay me if they want some branding here. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, but you know what I'm saying though, right? I start, I, I literally took time out of my trip to stop and go find a place to repair it because there was, and, it, and honestly, I knew how to get to where I was going. I did not need the map. That's the easy one. That's the easy one. But I want you to think about what, what makes you start feeling jittery if it starts disappearing in your life? These are important questions. And the reason it's important is because there is a verse in Hosea that I think really will help you understand this concept of God's. And Hosea is looking back on the Ten Commandments. He's looking back on that, and then he's reflecting on everything that's happened between when Moses received them and his time, which was much later. Now, you have to understand that when God gives Israel this commandment, they had just come out of Egypt. If you're at all familiar with Egypt, one of the things you know is that Egypt had a pantheon of gods. There wasn't one, there wasn't two. There were dozens and dozens and dozens of gods. There was a God for every little thing. And so you had to work really hard to make sure that you didn't offend any one of these deities who might lash out at you if you unintentionally disrespected them or disrespected something that mattered to them. And so one of the beautiful things that God does is he says, you don't have to worry about any other God but me. That's it. There's, there's not multiple deities that you have to appease in some way or another. 
And by the way, this is one of the reasons why in the Seventh Adventist Church we don't pray to saints. There's only one God, and that God cares about you. There is not a, a good person out there that cares about you more than God does. You don't have to beg God through somebody else to love you or care about you or do for you. There's only one God out there, not a pantheon of gods. And so when God brings them out of Egypt, he says, there's only one God. You don't have to worry about everything that those Egyptians were worrying about. But you know, the funny thing about human beings is we have a real hard time being monogamous. There's always this idea that there's a better God out there. Yeah, God, I know you'll take care of me, but what if you don't? I kind of need some backup gods. And Hosea speaks to his people, and this is what he says. And this is one of the most beautiful, underrated, underused verses in the Bible. Hosea 13, verse 4. Yet I have been the Lord your God. Do you hear the, do you hear the longing in God's voice? I have been your God. I've been good to you. I have loved you. I have been faithful to you since the land of Egypt. And you are not to know any God except me. For there is no savior besides me. If you want to understand this commandment, it's found in that last sentence in Hosea. Why does God say to us to have no other gods? Because there is no other savior besides God. And the problem is that we all like to pretend that there is. We all like to go ahead and, and start feeling and thinking that there are ways that we can save ourselves. So that's usually the number one God in our life, me. I trust you, God, but I'm going to, I can fix this. I can take this on. I know this was a big thing in my life growing up. I grew up with a faith that said that God helps them that help themselves, right? which I happen to believe today is a lie. God helps them that depend on him. That doesn't mean that you don't have things that you should do. It doesn't mean that you sit helplessly in a chair and wait for God to show up when, when he's showing up. But what it means is, is that we have to depend on God, not on our own ingenuity to figure out the problems in life that come along. So what are the gods in your life Go ahead and, and you don't have to tell me the God in your life. Tell me the God in somebody else's life sitting near you. What would be a God in somebody else's life sitting near you? As, 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 as my health professor or health instructor in college used to say when we got into the sex ed talk, it was just say, I've heard a friend of mine wanted to know. So what are some gods out there? You can talk to me. It's okay. What? Cell phone. Absolutely. Cell phones can definitely be a God, right? They, they tend to solve a lot of problems, and uh, we're discovering that they also create a lot of problems. used to be that finances were the number one uh, 
uh, uh, reason that people would get divorced. Um, today, most marriage counselors will tell you it's cell phones. Yep. Why? Because people are not paying attention to their spouse. They're on their cell phone more than they're connecting with their spouse. Um, they're looking at things on their cell phones that they shouldn't be looking at. They're on social media engaging with people that they shouldn't be engaging with in ways that are not appropriate. So yeah, cell phones are one of the major um, home wreckers out there. And that's not to say that cell phones are bad. Keep in mind that some of the things that we make gods in our life never asked to be a god. We've just turned them into that. What else? Religion. Wow. I didn't hear an amen on that one. What? Can I say that that is true? Can I say that I wholeheartedly agree with that? There are a lot of people that make their religion, not God. Keep in mind, there's a difference, but they make their religion what will save them, not Jesus. They think that by belonging or getting baptized into a denomination, that that's what saves them rather than the savior who that baptism represents following. And I don't think, by the way, I'm not a religion hater. I think that there's need for organization and structure, and I believe that there are uh, right beliefs. Uh, But whenever we elevate our belief above God, whenever we would not be willing to give that belief up, if God said to us, you ought to give that belief up, And if you think that's not possible, why do you think Jesus was crucified? Because the Jewish leaders and the Jews at that time had a belief about what God was, and they were more willing to follow that belief set than they were to follow Jesus when he actually showed up. So yeah, religion. Anybody else? Sports. Don't talk about during March Madness now. Don't. (laughs) Can I, can I just be honest with you for just a minute? As a pastor, sometimes it wounds me a little bit that I have such a hard time getting people to be involved with church events. And I'm not saying going to a sports game or watching sports on TV is a bad thing. I don't think it is. I enjoy playing sports. I love watching sports. But when that becomes a higher priority than being involved in the community of Christ, the body of Christ, when that takes priority, that's a problem. Now, don't get me wrong. In my family, my kids and my wife are my priority. And there are some times that I do things for work that kind of get in the way of them. But the point is, is that the consistent story of my life or is that the exception? So great. Sports is a good one. Nobody said money yet. I would say that a lot of us struggle with the idea that money is our savior. You know, if you have enough money in your savings account, if you're, if you're set up for your retirement, if you have the right job, drive the right car, live in the right neighborhood, I think that one of the most devastating gods is the God of money because it is so easy to lose so fast. For all of you who have a, a nice, healthy, Savings account, that's great. But does it worry you what inflation is doing to that savings account? 
I mean, look at, you know, look at the, the sanctions that the, that the world has put on Russia. People who thought they were pretty wealthy in Russia have nothing now. And that's not me giving, I'm, I support what the world is doing. But what I'm trying to say is that whenever we think that money can save us, that money, those things, those possessions, they can just disappear like that. Everything you think that you've worked for and earned can be gone. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember back in 2008, my parents were getting near retirement at that point. And 2008 hit, and that 401k was cut in half. Just like that. Family. When we put other things in the place of God, we set ourselves up for hurt and pain. When we think that there's something else out there that can satisfy our needs, that can take care of us, I'll go ahead and use another, another example. And this one I think will hit a little bit closer to home. For some of us, we make our children our gods. If my children turn out, then I'm a good person. Then I've done the right thing. God forbid my child does something that's outside of what I think is right. Because if they do, suddenly my self-worth is completely destroyed. And I think that I haven't been the person that I should have been. But family, the best of parents have kids that don't do what they want them to do. And if you don't believe that, ask what happened to Adam and Eve. That's the the nature of free will. People will make their own decisions, and no matter how perfect a parent you are, things might not go the way that you wished it had. By the way, can I just challenge you? If your child didn't turn out the way you want them to, will you love them anyway? Will you love them anyway? Will you support them anyway? Will you not give up on them? Will you not say, because you made this life choice, because you're this way, I'm not going to be there for you or I'm going to pull myself back. And by the way, just so you know, God our Father did not pull himself back from a world that did everything wrong. So as a parent, it's absolutely appropriate for us to stay engaged with our children and to love them through whatever they might go through and whatever life decisions they might make and to be there with them. That was a sidebar. All right. Let's try this out. I'm going to need some help in the back. Somehow I have messed up my clicker. So if you can take me to my Bible verse, that would be great. Um, That would be, uh, if you could please take me to Psalms 95 verse 1. Thank you. All right. Psalms 95 verse 1 says, Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. The psalmist is trying to get our attention and help us understand that when God says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, he's saying that because there's only one rock of our salvation. There's only one solid place to build your life, and that's on Jesus. And one of the things that we have to understand is that if religion can be a God, then what that means is we have to still leave ourselves open to God not being exactly what we pictured him to be always and put our life on the rock of who he is 
tune into him. Read the Bible, not so that we can say, I already understand it, but so I can grow deeper into my relationship with God. God wants to be the rock of our salvation, not just a set of beliefs. Remember what the Bible says, what Jesus said. The Bible tells us that there's salvation only in Jesus Christ, in him alone, period. My final verse comes to us from the book of Acts. And if you can help me there in the back with uh, changing over to that slide, I'd appreciate it. Acts chapter four, verse 12 says this, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Family, the first commandment is not God being mean. It's not him being selfish. It's not him saying, I need you. It's him letting us know we need him. He puts that commandment right at the beginning because there is nothing else in this world that we can base our lives on. Everything else can fall out from underneath us in a second, but the one thing that will not fall out on us is our relationship with Christ. Now, I'm not gonna lie. There are times where it feels like Jesus and God walk away from us and they feel far away. But what I can assure you is somebody who's been in those places in life is that when he feels the farthest, I can look back and see him right there with me all along. You can count on God. That's why there should be no other gods in your life. The first commandment asks for our exclusive and love and loyalty so that we're in relationship with the only God who won't let us down and who will save us. Thank you guys so much. Uh, now is the time to respond to the sermon. We are already loaded with questions. I'll be honest, there's some weeks where Ken just covers it so well that I'm like, please send me some questions this week. You're saying I didn't cover it that well this week. Well, well, if you want to read between those lines, I guess. But um, <laughs> I guess, well, I'm just, I'm just responding to the responses. Um, but there's, there's, in general, a lot of, once we broaden up the term of this is a God, of like, whoa, 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 you know, how do I stop this? How do I stop that? Um, let's start with this one from Greg, though, which is, um, uh, Greg had a question about your definition of, of what a God is. God is anything you give something power over. And so uh, he says, um, Ken's definition means that any God only has power if I give it to them. How does that compare to Christian thought that God's power is not dependent on anyone or anything else. Do we give God power to be in our lives? Or I'm, maybe I'm expanding on that too much, but. Yeah, that's, that's such a good question. I'm glad I, I can see that I definitely did not cover this well enough, so I'll have to work <laughs> harder for second service. What a great question. So absolutely, um, God can have power over our life with or without our permission, but I would suggest to you um, that the Bible suggests that God does not force himself on us. And so in other words, um, we can give God the ability to work in our lives powerfully, or we can deny him that ability to work in our life. That doesn't mean that he won't work, doesn't mean he doesn't um, work for us, but with, let's go back to the wedding metaphor. Um, my wife is my wife um, legally until unless we got divorced. And so both of us would, um, it would actually take one of us potentially to make that choice, right? 
And what I have watched in marriages is that when one person chooses not to be married, no matter how hard the other person works, it's impossible. It takes two people to want to be married. And as much as God wants to be our God, if we don't choose that, if we don't choose to let him be the God of our life, he can't be. Um, And so what I would just kind of suggest is that a lot of times these other things that come into our life, sometimes we like to take on a helpless attitude. Well, I have no power over that. I, I can't really choose. The fact of the matter is that we always have choice. We always can choose what we are allowing to be the God of our life. And so God asked for us to, to have him exclusively. It's like God could, but doesn't until we give him permission. So is that in a nutshell? You know, I think it's, it's a super complex topic. And I think that sometimes as pastors, we like to reduce things down to easy sound bites. And it's not, it's not as easy as God only works in your life if you allow him to. Mm-hmm. And it's not as easy as, as God doesn't work in your life or God does work in your life, whether you want him to or not, there's, there's a nuance to it. There's, there's a beauty to it where God does come into our life, even when we've been rejecting him, trying to get our attention, trying to get us to come back to him. On the other hand, if we continually push him away, he does respect that. Well, that kind of flows into a, a, another grouping of questions where a lot of people responded to um, where you said it was a lie that God only helps those that helps them that help themselves. Um, and Reyes wrote, yes, I understand that I need to depend on God, but doesn't God want me to also be responsible of my choices and don't my choices matter? Yeah, I wouldn't want to suggest that choices don't matter, but what I would like to suggest is that a lot of times when we use that phrase, it's God that helps them that help themselves, what it means is, is I have the first responsibility. You, I have first responsibility. I do my part and then God. And that's not what I read in the Bible. I see a God that helps the helpless, that helps those that aren't helping themselves and invites them to trust in him. And I believe that one of the parts of American culture that's incredibly hard to overcome is this, is this idea of self-reliance. I don't need anybody but me. And there's, there's some very positive things to that too. We don't want a, a group of people who feel helpless and like they can't do anything about their situation or that they have no responsibility and they just sit around waiting for, for somebody else to do for them. At the same time, when we start thinking that we're the reason that we're successful, that it's our hard work, that it's us that's getting ahead, when we don't ask God what he wants and what his opinion is, then we're really missing out on what God really wants to be doing in our lives. It's definitely a complex issue, um, <laughs> a complex discussion. Uh, another theme within the questions were about how can I become aware of what is becoming a God and how can I get rid of it? Um, uh, Zoe puts it this way. Uh, we may know what other gods may be in our lives, but how do we keep them from becoming too much? And should we get rid of them all together? Um, and Greg kind of expands on that as well of, you know, how can I avoid living in a life of fear that our hobbies or passions have become gods? Like I love, you know, collecting baseball cards might be somebody out there and, it, you know, but do I need to stop collecting baseball cards? Yes. And give them to me. Um <laughs> Can we put gods behind God? Because it says no gods before me. Yeah. Are we, is there? I think that 
to the to the point, how do we know that there's a God in our life? It's when that when something takes priority over God, over God in our life. So how do you avoid it? I think that a lot of times what, what you hear from people like me is, you know, do a do this massive inventory of your life and really try to figure out what the other gods are. My suggestion is rather than figuring out what's wrong, turn to what's right. Mm. So focus on spending more time with God. Focus on increasing your relationship with God. And that's what you'll notice really works in relationships. When you're in a dating relationship, it's not that, you've, that you look all around. It's that your, your focus becomes on this one person and more and more and more. And that's where it doesn't mean that you don't have re- friendships, but it means that, that the passion, that your, your energy, your, that's in that one person. And so my suggestion is don't, don't be looking at the other gods as the, as the old song goes, turn your eyes upon Jesus mm. and the things of earth will become strangely dim. Mm. And, and so mm. that's my suggestion. Rather than trying to root around and be like, oh, is my, God, is my baseball collection, uh, card collection a, a God? Rather than spending a lot of time on that, turn to Jesus. And as you, feel, you, as you feel like, well, maybe I'd rather spend more time working on my baseball cards, say, well, could I spend a little bit more time over here in God's work? Could I spend a little bit more time praying? They spend a little bit more time in other spiritual disciplines, in community, and in, in being in service. Those are things that, that can help us slowly let the other gods. And by the way, if you're looking for a, a, a really good book to read, read Gods at War. Gods at War. Gods really, at War. Gods at War. Good book to read. Excellent. Well, I really like that idea of, and that song is the song I grew up hearing. So that'll be hopefully easy for me to remember during the week. Now, if you have any other questions, feel free to still put them in the chat. We're out of time for this segment. Uh, There's quite a few that went unanswered today, but uh, check out the podcast that comes out every Wednesday called This Is Whole Life and where we will answer those questions and talk about this topic a little bit further because it's a a complex issue. It is. All right. Thank you, Ken. Yeah. Thank you guys for such great questions. I know there were a bunch of questions that came from here, and, um, and I, I think that's one of the things I really enjoy the most about getting to do this is as a pastor, you, you have kind of what's on your mind that you want to share, and then you realize, well, I didn't hit a point that really makes a lot of sense that I should have hit. So I, I like having that second chance at it, second bite at the apple there. So uh, thank you so much uh, for those questions, for being a part of this family. Let's go ahead and uh, have prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. We want to love you more. We really um, admit that there are gods that we put into our life, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. But we're here because we want you to be the God of our life. We don't want to have any other gods but you. And so, Lord, help us to make that a reality, not through our own power, but through the power of your Holy Spirit living in us. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. May God bless you, and you have a wonderful week. You know I love you. Go love your world. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. 
swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians. All focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.